podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback, and I'm joined by the always lovely of the loveliest co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. I'm just, uh, you know, chopping that off-season wood, which uh, is really not as inappropriate as it seems, actually, now that I say <laughs> it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's good hey, it's, it's, it's good to finally have a podcast. I mean, you've, I know. Been, you, you've been so, you know, immersed in these other sports that I know nothing of. That, I know. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm afraid I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid that you're becoming, you know, an equal fan of other sports. That's never that's not that's not gonna, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I feel like people who are into who are multi-sport writers and into other sports that I give them so much credit for doing what they do because it's incredibly difficult. I do write baseball stuff, but I don't think that there's a lot of multi-sport writers that are so as into football as I am right now as Compared to what them being into this into football right now, if that makes sense. I think I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, like I think that other other multi sport writers are probably not talking about Devonte Freeman right now. <laughs> right. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. So that's that. There's my backup right there. I mean, I'm still playing MLB DFS every day. Uh, no, no, no. You're you're a, a bona fide uh, um, a football freak. Still, I I just it's amazing to me that you're able that you have that much bandwidth to um to 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 know so much about other sports i just i don't it's it's impossible to for me to get away from football impossible yeah. i actually i i tried I, I had this moment at one point in the off season where i'm like you know what i'm just gonna kind of let go a little bit of football and i actually think that i'm closer to football now because i saw <laughs> i saw the other side you know the grass is definitely not greener well, I thought you were closer to football now because Lance Moore is a Steeler. Uh, well, that too. I have, I have, I have Lance Moore and Darius Hayward Bay on my favorite team, so <laughs> nothing can go wrong. Everything is right. Do you have the Bumblebee uh, Hayward Bay jersey? That's yet? that's coming. That's oh. coming. But it, it actually, I ordered it, but it uh, it got dropped on the, on its way here. Oh, yeah. oh man, oh, that guy can't catch a break. Oh, oh, I didn't even mean it. I didn't even mean that to be. <laughs> Uh, no, couldn't couldn't catch a break. No, he can't. No, he, he actually can't. <laughs> he literally cannot. All he can do is run quickly. That's going to be a mess. The Steelers are going to be a mess. They drafted a wide receiver who's just another Lima Swede, and I'm not really excited about what's going on. Oh, uh, you don't like him? I I don't know any any big receiver for the Steelers. Just kind of grabs, ex- grabs my attention. It's exciting, but it's also I mean it's like. There comes a point in time where they're just you just realize you're like okay maybe they're just really good at drafting short wide receivers and they're right. just really bad at drafting tall ones and from what I've what I've read and what I've studied Bryant's not um, doesn't have a lot of or he has upside but he's not he's he's very raw yeah he's he no that that that's what I've read and and uh, uh, I I would say that the Steelers definitely have a type when it comes to uh, 
oh, yeah. uh, receivers, and and he's not even close uh, uh, to that type. So I, I got an ESPN alert today on my phone that said Ike Taylor uh, said that James Harrison and Santonio Holmes wanted back on the team. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's like someone that's been unemployed for a year saying that they want their old job back. Like, of course, right? Of course, they're gonna want that job because they're they don't have a job right now. Right, and I I meant to tell you actually um, over G Chat today that I when I went to go get a sandwich at Subway the other day, I saw Limus Swede working behind the counter, and he said that he also wanted a job back. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So exactly. there's I, just all I, these Steelers everywhere that want their jobs back. But yeah, but hey hey Arizona Arizona is just a call away. <laughs> hey, that's true. Hey, uh, uh, you could you could put a, a good money on on Heath Miller ending his career in Arizona. There's 100 percent chance that he's going yeah. to somehow, some way, end up in as an Arizona Cardinal. He's gonna he's yeah. gonna take away Rob Hausler's duties mm. towards the end of his career. Towards Absolutely. towards the end of Rob Hausler's career, probably. Right. No. And and Arians is gonna be like uh, Heath is the centerpiece of our offense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man, man, we just went on a tangent there. So yeah, yeah so. we we haven't potted uh, since I, I think it was like late March. Which, yeah, which is crazy. I I have moved since I've been in I've been in my new location for months since we. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How's that? How's everything going in North Carolina? It's great. It's great weather. It's fantastic. It's uh. It we've we we had two tornadoes the other day though. <laughs> That's that's which, great. Yeah, which isn't fun. But we're clo- we're like like I can see the skyline while I'm talking to you right now, which is pretty sweet. So we're like close to the city. I don't think tornadoes hit like I mean, there's like there's hills around the city a little bit. So it's not. I mean, we'll be all right from a, <laughs> from a tornado perspective. Well, I mean, you're a scientist, so that's yeah, really right, that's right, right. Thing. So I mean, I can I can I did take a couple meteorology classes <laughs> in my day. <laughs> you you've seen Al Roker like a dozen times at least. <laughs> I know, but yeah, it's a good good city. We uh we went to a a Bobcats game, and they're now today officially the Hornets. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah, uh, uh, nine year old me wearing an Alonzo Morning jersey <laughs> yeah, on, the play, on the playground is really psyched about that. I'm actually right now wearing a Larry Johnson jersey. I saw that. I, it, was that real? Oh yeah, I have a Larry. I have a jersey oh. collection of like eighty jerseys, and Larry Johnson's one of them. You, oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, so I, I actually wore this jersey to the Bobcats game, and now I get to next year, I have a basketball team for the first time in my life. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, huh. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, zero yeah. sports teams. Not that I would root for one from Cincinnati, though. Uh, I just, just to keep continue on this basketball uh, tangent, I have to admit right now that I once had a... Detlef Schrempf jersey. Dude, that how did you get rid of that? I don't know. My mom probably gave it away. Man, that's uh, a that's a fantastic jersey. That, yeah, like, it it was like the old school one. Oh. That's the kind of that's the kind of jersey that like fits perfectly in my collection. I have like I have a Dikembe Mutombo Nuggets jersey. Like just I try to get random ones, but then I also have random ones from like way back in the day. Like I have a Jeff Blake Bengals jersey, a Mark Chamora Packers jersey, like just the most random things that you, people you can possibly think of. Yeah, I always admired Deadlift Shrimp for being 6'10 and playing like he was 5'11. Yeah, great hair, too. That, that, oh, yeah, he looked like Guile. For <laughs> he, did. he looked exactly <laughs> like Guile. Every time every time he took a three, it was actually a sonic boom. It was a sonic boom. If you listen closely, if you turned up the TV, you could hear it. You can hear him. Oh, man, unbelievable. 
Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, and what that is is that we're going to kind of reintroduce and re-talk about uh, <laughs> re-talk. You like that word? That's a good word. Um, streaming. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to kind of explain again what streaming is, and I know that people listening to this podcast and our people who who actually respond to what we say on Twitter and stuff they who who have listened uh, they know what streaming is, but what I want to do is not just explain what it is like we've done in the past, but kind of go into this rabbit hole and just just take our brains and vomit our brains onto this podcast. <laughs> the grossest pod yet. <laughs> We're going to just vomit our brains on this podcast. We're going to let everyone know how we feel about streaming and why we feel the way that we do. We're going to talk psychology, philosophy, and no more meteorology. No. Oh, that was good. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, we have a lot of data to back all of this up. And, you know, we're not going to dig into all of that data, but I think that we can go back and forth and just kind of have an open discussion about why this strategy of streaming and this art of streaming is a thing and why, um, you know, it's a good, a good approach to fantasy football. Right. I, I mean, I think it's important to revisit, you know, kind of the, the building blocks of what we talk about every week during the season, you know, it's, it's during the season, it's really hard to, you know, talk about like conceptual aspects of, of the game um, because you're, you're too immersed in, you know, analyzing weekly matchups because, you know, um, the reason that we stream is because uh, this is really a weekly, a weekly game, a week in and week out, you know, who, who, who can exploit matchups, um, and and how and how likely that is every week. So, um, I mean, I think that it's it's good to come back to it and you know kind of acknowledge that that streaming you know at, at its core um, you know we stream the onesie positions obviously like we've discussed many times the onesie positions being uh, quarterback, tight end, and defense. And you know streaming is in a way not in a way, it is refusing to invest heavily in replaceable positions while focusing our, um, uh, focusing our drafts on uh, irreplaceable positions like running back and wide receiver where you have large drop-offs from the elite producers to the you know, middle of the pack and, and, and below. Um, and uh, this doesn't, you know, streaming as, as we've been <laughs> reminded many times on Twitter, uh, doesn't doesn't work in every single league. It doesn't work if you're in a, a 16 team league. Say, you know, you're not probably not going to be able to successfully stream uh, uh, quarterbacks because there will be so many quarterbacks already rostered. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't work in a. Uh, um, I, I I found it doesn't work as well in in like a two quarterback league. So. Um, you know, these are things to watch out for or a tight end premium league of with 14 or 16 teams. But we're, we're really talking about, you know, the average 12 team league with a normal size bench with a normal size roster. You can really exploit weekly matchups with quarterbacks, tight ends, and obviously, obviously with defenses that, that, right. that almost goes without saying. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, kind of refusing to say, I'm going to heavily invest in this quarterback in round one or two or three. And I'm going to ride with that quarterback, no matter the matchup 
is in the end, as, as you've shown many times in, in stuff you've wrote on quarterbacks, including your books, is uh, foolish. It's just, it's just not optimal. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to your point, you know, obviously this does work best for your standard leagues, 10, 12 team leagues that are starting one quarterback because there's an obvious, obvious surplus of quarterbacks and then tight ends because you're only starting one and defenses because you're only starting one. Defenses, too, are kind of a different breed uh, in general just because um, the, you know, there's there's more there's more components, there's more inputs than just uh, a single person. There's 11 other, you know, there's 10 or 11 people. And so um, given that, you know, it's not you just kind of have to treat defenses differently in general. Uh, But as Denny was saying, you know, it's it's. Um, it, it, it works best for 10 and 12 team leagues, but I still think the concepts in general are applicable to uh, larger leagues. You know, I think that, that you can still take these ideas and, uh, you know, take them for what they're worth and then see if you can use them in your particular league. I think oh, that, sure. that's, that's a good way of, of kind of, of putting it, just because, you know, it's not the, streaming isn't worthless if you are in you know, a deep league or something, because you can still try to use the same principles to exploit your and, and beat your competition. Yeah, I guess probably you just have to be a little more careful. Yeah, right, right, right. Totally. So, you know, as you said, Denny, so the first thing I just kind of want to talk about um, with streaming is, so there's the three positions, the onesie positions, as we call them. They're, they're the positions in your fantasy lineup that there's only one. So when there's only one, uh, they're in they're in lower demand because that you you need less. Uh, so I think what what people need to understand is the ease in streaming, and I think both you and I have agreed on this. And this isn't just anecdotal either. Um, that defense is easiest to stream, quarterback is probably second easiest to stream, and then tight end is probably the hardest to stream. And that's only from the standpoint of predicting who is going to pre- perform well. I don't I don't mean the end effect of it. Because I think, in, in a, we'll talk about this later, um, I think there's, there's some merit to the fact that tight ends just don't score a lot of points. But we can, we'll, we can kind of go down that path uh, later in the podcast. But, uh, so defenses are, are easiest, quarterbacks are kind of in the middle, and tight ends are hardest. And I think that one way of thinking about why that's the, the case is this idea of control and how much control those positions have on the actual football field. So you look at... Um, you know, you, you're going to have the most confidence in defense. And I think that, um, you know, they're in, they have a, a ton of control because there are 11 different people on the field at once and they're working towards one thing. And you can, not only that, but you can easily predict opponent uh, when it comes to defenses because you're not dissecting a single portion of an, an opposition. You know, with a quarterback, you're, only, you're mostly looking at the opposition's secondary. With a running back, you're looking at the opposition's rush defense. But with a whole defense, you're looking at the entire offense. So it's very easy to kind of pinpoint which offense sucks and which one doesn't because it's, it's the entire unit. Uh, so defense in general has the most control, if you will. Quarterbacks are next, obviously, because, uh, you know, there were, there were 19 different quarterbacks last year that dropped back to pass at least 30 times per game on average. And that average doesn't even include that, that 19 figure doesn't even include the guys uh, who played fewer games, like Josh McCown, who still, you know, was up in that 30 range whenever he did play. So basically what I'm saying here is that quarterbacks are seeing volume. It's not just the elite quarterbacks that are seeing volume. And, and because they're seeing volume, 
they're in control of their destiny. So because you know that they're going to get opportunity, then you know that there's a chance that they're going to do well in fantasy football. Um, and then lastly, there's tight ends who, you know, the, the problem with tight ends is that sometimes they don't run routes. Sometimes they're not even on the field. And then obviously their, their play ties directly to how a quarterback is playing and how a quarterback plays. So, and, and that include that doesn't even just include the fact that, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers, therefore he's good. It's the fact that Aaron Rodgers has to then target the tight end and get the tight end fantasy points that way. Mm-hmm. So naturally, the tight end's kind of in less control and more dependent on other things. So I think if you think of it from that high level, you don't even necessarily have to see the math behind why those are the most and least predictable positions in terms of streaming. I think it's just kind of obvious from more of a qualitative perspective. Right. I, I will say as far as tight ends go, you know, um, um, I started, you know, looking into the viability of, of streaming uh, after the 2012 season. And um, uh, after, you know, after the 2012 season, I saw that there were uh, 47 tight ends who um, achieved top 12 status, like, you know, what we call tight end one status, uh, at least once that season. Um, and 47 seemed ridiculous until I looked at the uh, tight ends in that, that achieved the, that same top 12 status at least once in 2013. And that number jumped from 47 to 56. Right. And now... A lot of uh, a lot of those fifty six tight end uh, performances were were fluky. They were contingent on a single catch sometimes for a touchdown. Uh, I mean, you guys, uh, you you have guys like uh, um, you know um, Luke Wilson. Wait, how do you spell his name? Luke Double L Wilson. Double L Wilson, right? Um, uh, Jim Dre, you know the great Jim Dre. Yeah. He also made the list. Um, you know Dallas Clark. Um, it made the list. And, so. this, and this isn't 2005 either. Right. No. We, and then, well, that's a different podcast where we talk about 2005. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll be doing that one it, later. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the, so, so there, there is, uh, um, that shows you uh, two things. One, that there are more options than ever because tight ends are being used um, in, in, in ways that they really have never been used um, so consistently in the offense. And two, you're in the same boat with a lot of people. And, you know, somebody who, who invests heavily, who, who spends a, a pretty high pick on a, a Jordan Cameron, say, is going to have a, a lot of, you know, outside the top 12 finishes, mm-hmm. um, just like you are with your streamer. The difference is that you spent nothing on your tight end and instead you moved, you moved that to your running back, to your wide receiver. Yep. So the, you know, it's just something to remember. Uh, even when I, you know, go with a streamer who kind of flames out, um, it doesn't it doesn't bother me all that much. I mean, in daily it's different, but in uh, in in redraft, um, it, it's it doesn't bother me that much because I I know that um, you know that that tight end was was free or or close to it. Yeah, it, it's actually kind of funny, uh, you know. We always say that we go into the draft every every draft. We're not we're not necessarily going to the draft outside of defense uh, to stream. You want to get high upside guys late in your draft that could potentially become full blown stars in the league. Like the yeah. example I always go to because it, it worked tremendously. Um, and this isn't just anecdotal. This is just this is what happens when sometimes whenever you go after the strategy. It was Matthew Stafford in 2011. Mm-hmm. So you draft Matthew Stafford late in 2011. 
he becomes a top five quarterback. I wasn't streaming that year. I, I use Matthew Stafford nearly every week. Um, but, you know, it can also backfire because last year I got Jordan Cameron in a lot of leagues, and especially casual leagues where he wasn't as, as a well, well-known commodity. Um, and then you end up playing Jordan Cameron every week. And sometimes that can screw you. Right. Um, but the one thing that I, that, you know, you, you kind of talked about is this, and I, I referenced it, you know, like five minutes ago is the idea of like maximum points. Um, so what I mean by that is like, it's very, very easy for tight ends to be viable streaming options. Um, and that's because they could basically catch, you know, three passes for 20 yards and a touchdown and be a top 12 option. Mm-hmm. Um, so Actually, last year the tight end, an average tight end, twelve score in PPR leagues was just over eleven points, mm. which you know is not it's not that many points in a PPR league. Uh, but the average wide receiver, uh, wide receiver twenty four, uh, was closer to fifteen points. So just from that, you know, you, and that's just for context mostly. So you know, that's that's basically like two catches and twenty more yards, or you know, one catch for thirty yards more, which is kind of significant. Um, yeah. So because there's that lower ceiling, a miss at the tight end position in a given week is not nearly as bad as something like a, a quarterback. So just just pretend like like quarterbacks and tight both you know you go into a certain week and your quarterback scores zero and your tight end scores zero. Let's say um, clearly the the quarterback miss is going to mean more because quarterbacks have much higher ceilings and the difference between you know your opponent's quarterback to your quarterback is going to be more significant. But if your tight end scores zero your opponent's tight end just isn't scoring that many points regardless. And even if it's Jimmy Graham, I mean, I understand the argument for Jimmy Graham. I get it. We're not going to get into that in, in this podcast, but even if it's Jimmy Graham, his, his, you know, of course he has a really, really high ceiling, but you know, there are weeks where he's not performing either. Um, right. So, you know, I actually have note, a note in here that it's almost like, think of, think of a ruler, a 12 inch ruler. Okay. Inches one through six is kind of the tight end range, and then inches one through twelve is the is the quarterback range in points. So if a, and if a quarterback scores zero, then he's on the one inch mark or the zero inch mark, the end of the ruler. Same with the tight end, but the tight end maximum goes to six inches, where the tight end maximum maximum goes or the quarterback maximum goes to twelve inches. But usually, uh, that quarterback scores something like four inches instead of zero inches. So, but still. Because quarterbacks have higher floors, but still the general idea here is that there's more variation uh, because there's a higher ceiling, mm-hmm. and because you you're not really gonna go, gonna go into the negatives in terms of, of production with tight tight ends and quarterbacks. So just because of that, I think you know while there's variability inherently with a tight end position because of the control aspect that I just talked about and the predictability aspect, I think the one kind of calming like good part about streaming tight ends is that like, it doesn't matter um, if they do indeed get you, you know, one catch for 15 yards. Right. And I think that you'll find that, you know, um, anecdotally, uh, I, I will say uh, um, like, you know, my uh, prime example of, of a, of a pick that I, I chose as a, as a pretty much as a streamer and, and I hoped that he would turn into an every week option was last season I took Julius Thomas right right at the at the end of every draft right 
And, you know, because he was a late bloomer in the preseason. And, and, and the, I, the I, I do, I do want to add that this is very, very factual because we have week one streamers last year. You talk about Julius Thomas. Yeah, right. On, and, on and, iTunes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, I was fairly confident that, you know, he would follow the trend of, um, you know, the Peyton's tight ends had uh, before him had, had finished in the uh, top six tight ends for five straight years for four straight years. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was fairly confident that, um, if he got the right playing time that he would do the same and, you know, he comes out in week week one and, and goes berserk. Um, uh, he, that, that's an example. I remember in a lot of drafts, I had the choice between at the end of the near the end of the draft, I had the choice between Julius Thomas and Kyle Rudolph. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rudolph was, was definitely the safer pick. But if I was going to, if I was going for upside, he, you know, he, Julius Thomas was clearly the option. And, and like, like JJ said, I was hoping that I would not have to stream tight ends when I picked him. And I, and, and thankfully, you know, with, with him, I was right that, that, you know, that, that happens the other way a lot, but, um, uh, the, the goal is not to stream no matter what. I mean, you want, to find the stud late. Obviously that's the whole point. I mean, that's how you win. That's how you win fantasy titles is you find massive equity in late round picks. So, you know, when, when you listen to us talk about streaming, it's really, you know, the goal is to not stream, but to know how to stream if you have to. Yeah. And uh, although another point, this is just going to, uh, dig us deeper into this subject is the idea that you know you do pick a late round option like that and then you know that streaming is a very very easy backbone and fallback and you trade that option you know yeah. you just get rid of them because you know that someone else is gonna might not understand streaming and might not understand that hey I can put together this Frankenstein of quarterbacks or tight ends and have this tight end four uh Whereas the guy that I'm trading away is a tight end seven who mm -hmm. I, who I got late in the draft, but now I'm going to get maybe some running back or wide receiver depth. That's much needed, much more needed than, than any sort of tight end. depth. Right. And, and also the, the, the idea of waiting on positions, you know, the, we have this joke, I think we've said many times now, uh, late round everything, you know, yeah. uh, uh, wait, you know, wait on every position and stream everyone. That's the, it's kind of the, the funny take on, on what we right. um, advocate uh, for, for fantasy purposes. But uh, um, if, you know, saying we're going to, we're going to wait on these onesie positions um, doesn't mean that we will wait forever, no matter what. Right. Uh, we, before the podcast, JJ and I were reminiscing about this uh, mock draft we had last year in which uh, JJ landed Aaron Rodgers, which is just, just crazy and ironic and everything. <laughs> um, uh, but but it was in the it was in the middle of the sixth round, right? So that's just that's stupid value, right? You know, and, right. and so it's really just value. It's not it's not saying you know what I shun these positions until the last the very last round. Eh, that's not what we're saying. Yeah, there is something too this year though. I mean, like not to say that I wouldn't take Aaron Rodgers in the sixth round. Don't get me wrong, but like, like I think people look at quarterbacks. So actually, let's take a step back. Uh, you mentioned Denny how like the the goal is to get a guy with enough upside where you don't have to make the choices every week of who you're going to stream, and I know that you touched on this in in your books, 
Um, but the idea of the paradox of choice, which I, so like I was listening to a podcast, uh, the last couple of days, actually, uh, Tim Ferriss, who did like the four hour work week and the four hour body. And he's a, a, a life hacker is what he calls himself. Hmm. Um, so he's, he's a brilliant guy. He comes up with these different theories. He basically does tests on himself and then he basically, you know, tells us all what he did and what works and why it worked and what doesn't and so on. And he brings on these experts on those podcasts. He just started this podcast, but they just, they, the, the, one of the last ones that they did, they talked about, um, how humans make decisions and humans every single day have a certain, uh, you know, decision limit, if you will, in their brain where, when you are, you're making decisions, when you make a decision, whether it be, uh, waking up in the morning and saying what, you know, asking yourself what kind of cereal you want or what do you want for breakfast or where are you going to get your coffee? All of those small decisions add up. So the idea is that, you know, you can automate those decisions and you can relieve the stress of making those decisions because that's what it does. It brings a lot of anxiety and stress to your life. And instead of making irrational decisions, you uh you make decisions you know that that are more meaningful because you're only focused on fewer you're you're now focused on fewer decisions so what the paradox of choice is is that you know um is this idea that the more choices we have the more anxiety we essentially have and even if that choice that we make out of the the large sample of of choices even though that decision that we make is the best decision we have a lot of anxiety afterwards and so I think sure. I think the the idea with streaming is that people are afraid because even when they've seen it be successful, and I'm not saying this just to like I'm not trying to like brainwash people. I almost feel like I'm I'm brainwashing people. But like even so, let's say like last year you it was week eleven and you wanted to stream and you ended up streaming Ryan Fitzpatrick, but you mulled over the the decision for for days and you thought about six different quarterbacks that you wanted to stream and it was a stressful event. Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't the best option of those six, but Ryan Fitzpatrick was still the better option compared to another QB one that you would be, that you would have drafted and started. But instead of actually realizing that Ryan Fitzpatrick would have been, uh, or was a better option than that QB one that you would have drafted and just plugged and played, you're now filled with this anxiety because you had to go through all those choices and all those decisions before you got to that final place. So that's why people always say I'd rather just plug and play. I'd rather right. I'd rather just I'd rather just throw in Drew Brees and not have to worry about the quarterback position anymore. Well, that's because of the paradox of choice. You don't want to make these decisions because you just want this automated system doing everything for you. Right. Yeah, I I, I wrote uh about the paradox of choice and um how to think like a fantasy football winner um and and you're you're absolutely spot on with talking about um how we don't like we don't like too many choices, mm-hmm. um, even though we think we do. Because I think that you know, in, in our uh, in our society, we're taught from a very young age that choice equals freedom. You know, mm-hmm. like like I know this is getting political and philosophical, but I mean, you're actually it's actually saying you know, the more choices you have, the more freedom you have to make up your own mind and decide what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that does, you know, that, that passes the smell test in some ways, but it's also, it can be incredibly stressful. And, um, if I could just, uh, read from, from what I wrote, because I like myself so much, 
Um, uh, <laughs> I wrote, uh, you know, we don't like choices. We like certainty. Uh, we yearn, we yearn for it in fact, and we'll do any manner of mental gymnastics to achieve some level of certainty in our decisions, even if our just justifications are illogical. And then I reference, um, uh, Barry Schwartz's book. He's a psychologist, uh, a psychologist who wrote the paradox of choice. Why more is less. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and I, I talk about some of the things, um, that, that, you know, that he wrote about in that book and basically it's a, eliminating choices in the groceries, in the grocery aisle or in the fantasy football draft room makes us feel better about our decisions, no matter if they're right or wrong. Right. But if you're striving for long-term fantasy success or success in any uh, venture, uh, you, you must not succumb to the idea of more is less. Right. Um, anyway, uh, it's just, um. Uh, it, it really is uh, an issue that a lot of people have. And you know what? If you're a casual fantasy owner, which I, if, if you're listening to this podcast, 99% chance you're not a casual fantasy owner. Right. Um, you're a total degenerate and you need, you, need to, you need to get help and spend more time with your family. But, the, um, uh, uh, but, but, but if you're a casual fantasy owner and, and, and you want to take True Breeze and plug and play, then – then that is the way to go. You know, if you don't want the stress of of this paradox of choice, then 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 just just go that route. But it's not optimal, and I think right. that we've shown that you've shown that many ways with quarterbacks. Yeah, that's that's the idea is that it is not optimal, and and actually, I think that's the difference is that there are more choices at running back and wide receiver. Let's be fair, because there are. Um, there, there are an insane number of running backs and wide receivers out there, but it's when we're saying paradox of choice, <clears throat> it's 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 choices that are um, that are that are actual considerations that they're you know they're actual you know you're not going to go look at Legadu Nene for a certain week he's not he's not really a choice so the the paradox of choice is more like the par in fantasy football it's like the paradox of considerations just right. just because. There are other choices, but you're not really considering those choices. But he has no uh, no holes no, no holes in his game. Did you see? No I, I tweeted that the other the other day. Yeah, man, I retweeted. That's the greatest. That's the greatest uh, um, tweet ever. The, uh, you can, know, can you can you remind people what we're talking about? Yeah. So Omar Kelly, uh, the Miami Dolphins writer, once wrote about Legadu Nene and how he he just couldn't find any holes in his game. That he <laughs> he was just so good that he and. I I mean like I think that I'm probably blocked by Omar Kelly right now, so I don't really care. Like probably blocked like from the world. So even if he somehow stumbled upon this podcast and were he were tr to try to listen to it, he wouldn't hear anything. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the idea like he just the reason that got, that I brought that up though was because I was going through I I basically destroyed Greg Little this week, um, in an article on on Numberfire, and while doing that research, I looked at our metric. Our, our target net expected points metric, which is basically like how many points a player is adding on all targets, you know, how many points he's get expected points he's getting. And Greg Little was basically like he had his last year was basically was the second worst season that we've seen uh, since the year 2000. Oz Hakim was number one, but then Legadu Nene was number three. Which I th I just thought was hilarious because it really is. I mean, that was that you know that that's one of the few beat re beat reporter raving tweets that didn't affect uh the fantasy market at all oh yeah never no one no one i mean it's unfortunate i'm not trying to like i'm sure he's a 
a decent dude in in IRL, but like I don't know, man. But like I like he's he's arrogant on Twitter and it's annoying. So yeah, no, he's the worst. Let's just say it. Let's <laughs> just be like Omar Kelly's the worst. Yeah, it's okay, you. You are the worst, Omar Kelly. <laughs> If you ever come across this, you probably can't hear JJ's voice because you blocked him from life, but you can hear mine. You were the worst. From everything. You said Legadu Nane is the truth. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, I I did tweet that and I had the hashtag never forget. (laughs) (laughs) Just Uh, had to happen. Yeah, it's such a good hashtag. Um, So yeah, we were talking about the paradox of choice. Um, Let's go into, so let's kind of go into then, so... You know, because of the paradox of choice, people don't feel safe with streaming positions, with streaming tight end quarterback. I think people feel okay with defenses just because it's not really – It's people just see that as an inherently kind of flexible position. Uh, so I, I know that the most casual leagues are still drafting the Seahawks defense in round nine, but um, I think the people listening probably understand that you, you draft them at the second to last round if you're using a kicker. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so – I think that one thing you have to keep in mind to kind of see how it is actually a safer idea. My One of my favorite ways of thinking about fantasy football is the guys that you're drafting, don't think about what you're getting, but think about what you're foregoing, what you're giving up. So your opportunity cost. So you're not necessarily tied to one quarterback, which is a great deal, which is awesome with, with regards to, you know, let's, let's just use quarterbacks as our example, because it'll be easier. Um, you know, if, if you don't get a quarterback in the early round, what you're doing is you're you're maximizing the potential at, at running back and wide receiver by loading up on those scarcer positions. And by scarce, I'm saying higher in demand and lower in supply. Basic supply and demand formula. There's no surplus of good running backs and wide receivers where there is a surplus of good quarterbacks because you're only starting one. And there are just so many freaking quarterbacks now that are that are relevant to fantasy. And yeah. Go it's ahead. gotten crazy. I mean, I feel like it's it's almost like too easy. It is. It's it's like the most obvious thing in the world to me. I, I'm not even like, I'm not. This is not even me saying like, oh, go buy my book from last year, or like, oh, go follow me on Twitter. I'm saying like this is the most obvious thing in the world if you're in a one quarterback league. I mm-hmm. I, I understand like if certain players fall and stuff, and if there there's more of an ADP uh, advantage and you're getting more value. I mean, sure, but. Like a standard league, if you're looking at standard ADP, it just doesn't make any sense to get Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees in the second round. It does not make any sense considering, like, think of it this way. So I actually looked at ADP data. Actually, let me take a step back. One thing that people need to get through their heads is early round decisions. No one no one is good at, at drafting well early in, in the early rounds of drafts. And the reason I say that is because a typical draft, you're going to go into a typical draft and ADP data in the early rounds or your rankings. So Denny and I go into this draft. Our rankings aren't really going to differentiate that much in the early rounds. Where they're going to differentiate is when you get to the later rounds. So what happens is the early rounds of your fantasy draft really, uh, it's it's more luck-based. It's more taking taking playing probability and, and taking a safer route. And taking a safer route means you're loading up on running backs and wide receivers so that even if one of them flop, you're okay. You're going to have someone to fall back on. I think that sometimes people get super arrogant in thinking that they know who's going to do well and who's not going to do well. And you just, you can't do that. I mean, like, there's a poker element to fantasy football. And if you don't realize that, then I don't know what game you've been playing. I right. Mean, 
I mean, if you have 100% certainty that a guy is not going to flop, that's not true. That just, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Like you could, there were plenty of people who said Trent Richardson was going to be, you know, an RB one, a full blown RB one last year. It didn't happen. It's not. It's not. You know, it, that's just the way it is. But I, I don't think that those people are bad fantasy analysts. I just think that that's what they saw, and it just didn't work out because that's what happens in the early rounds of drafts. Right. I and I, I just to add to your to your point about uh, you know you said uh, this is you you said this is not me telling you to go buy my book. I'm telling you to go buy my book. Nice, nice. So you know <laughs> nice. JJ's too nice, but you know go buy my book. Nice. Anyway, uh, um, uh, it it does it's. Uh, um, I'm in I'm in one casual league, uh, and when I say casual, I don't mean in the sense that I don't care because it's my brother-in-law league, and I want to win it more than any league. Wait, wait, it's your brother? Is everyone? Is everyone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I married into a Greek family, so I have 14 bro- brothers. Right. Ever you have to you have to get this prerequisite that you're somebody's brother-in-law. Right, right. I mean, I've you know, the married into a Greek family. So my brothers-in-law are uh, there's Nick, Dimitri, <laughs> right. uh, Nikki, and then uh, <laughs> keep going. Spir- Spiro, Dimitri, uh, George, and then Georgie. So, um, <clears throat> no, but but okay. So I do really want to win it, but uh, um, I I I drafted. Uh, gosh, I don't even know who I went with last year. I think it was Alex. Oh no, I went. I went with Cutler super late last year, like fourteenth round or something. And they, we were all around the, the draft table, and they freaked out. And they were like, "What are you going to do? You're going to start Jay Cutler all season?" And I was like, "No, I'm. I'm probably not. I'm probably going to start him here and there." And they were like, "Well, what are you? What are you going to do then? I mean, we've already taken all the quarterbacks." I was like, "I don't." I don't see. I don't. I see like eight quarterbacks on the waiver <laughs> yeah, wire right, right now that I, that I'm considering starting for week one. Right, right, right. It's it's. I actually tweeted about that last week. It's like gotten to the point where you, if you're in a single quarterback league, you could probably draft a quarterback just that has the best week one matchup. Yes, it fe- it feels yes exactly like a defense. You know, it's, it's like 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 we draft defenses for for their early round or early season schedule. Can I let me just? I, I looked at some uh, my fantasy league data today, ADP data. Let me just tell you who I, I ignoring QBs one through twelve. Ready for this? You mm-hmm. have here's QB thirteen, Tony Romo. Okay, which yeah. happens every year. It's just so absurd. He's got a yeah. great offensive coordinator situation now. Like that offense could blow up and. Like literally and and figuratively. Yes, right. Um. So you have Tony Romo. Last year he had six top twelve performances. Um. You have Philip Rivers, who is next on the list, and I guess people are concerned about losing Ken Wisenhunt. He had seven top twelve performances, and then you have Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler is a QB what fifteen right now. Jay Cutler could. Would it surprise Would it surprise you if Jay Cutler was a top five quarterback this year in fantasy? It it would be like you know my my very high projection for him, but but no, I guess right. it would shock him. I don't think it would. Sh- I don't uh, if he was competitive to that point. I should. Yeah, say. sure, sure, sure. Right. So he had five top twelve performances last year. Josh McCown had four. That's nine. That's basic. So Josh McCown plus Jay Cutler last year in terms of top twelve performances, so mm-hmm. weekly QB ones equaled mm-hmm. Andrew Luck and was one away. From Matthew Stafford and two away from Drew Brees and Peyton Manning, right? And and the best part about the Cutler and McCown combo, if you were wise enough to to go with them every week, which I I almost did in 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 that brother in law league, 
what <laughs> with all my brothers-in-law uh what they were fr- they were free like right. i got i got my off the waiver wire when when cutlet went down right right and i'm not, we're not giving recommendations or anything on on who these guys we're just showing you the depth of the position right, right. now right right so right so then you have andy dalton who had six top so andy dalton was a qb5 when he had six top uh only six top 12 performances which was like in the 14th ranked range so but that's the definition of boomer bust play because he right. dominates bad defenses, aka he's a perfect streamer. And then you yes, he is. And then yeah. you have Ryan Tannehill, who's the exact same way. Ben Roethlisberger, who's the same way. And a guy that both of us have been talking, who we were talking about before the podcast, Alex Smith. Alex Smith had seven top twelve quarterback performances last year, guys. That's more than Cam Newton. That's more mm-hmm. than Cam freaking Newton. Scored more points than Tom Brady. Just wanted to note that. Yeah. Right. And and it's it's just and the reason I'm looking at weekly data right now is because yearly data is dumb. Yearly cumulative data. I understand if you want to look at it a little bit for wide receivers and running backs because typically, you know, those positions aren't being swapped out every week um, unless an injury occurs. I understand that a little bit more, but it's still like, like I mean, the the numbers are can be incredibly skewed. And Andy Dalton was the perfect example of that he was the yeah. fifth best fantasy quarterback okay. last year, and he only had six. Six of his 15 relevant fantasy, so 15 weeks, because I don't care about week 17. Six yeah. of his 15 weeks in fantasy were top 12 ones, meaning nine mm-hmm. of his weeks were not startable weeks. Right. I mean, he didn't, like, you hear the phrase, you know, he, he went big or went home. He did not go big or, or go home. He went nuclear or went home. Right, right. Like, when he went off, he would he he put up ridiculous numbers oh, against yeah. the Jets, against the Vikings, against a couple other teams. But when when he was not when he was not on or when he was not asked to to throw it a lot against bad defenses, um, he was borderline unusable. Yeah, you basically you avoid Andy Dalton when he's playing a good defense or a division opponent. You just avoid oh. him. And oh my, God. yeah, that's that's it. But like it, it just. Um, like I think that you, that fantasy owners have to remember that you're going into a game each week and you're making decisions each week, like we were saying. So I think that you know one big key here is that you want consistency because consistency brings predictability, right? So you want to know who the consistent players are because consistency is predictability. So if you know that a certain quarterback is, you know, is only good against bad defenses and you know that he's streamable and that's why you also try to get those running backs and wide receivers because and and you you need to know who the consistent ones are because you know who's going to give you points week in week out and not going to just screw you one week right um so that's that's super important but like i was saying so those are some of the quarterbacks that are um that are so that, that are that are basically going in rounds 10 through like 18 I mean, they're just, it's, it's absurd. It's, maybe, maybe like 10 through 14, but yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's absolutely absurd. And I'm not even talking about guys like Joe Flacco or Carson Palmer who back in, you know, if this, if we were talking six years ago, those guys would probably be like, like high end QB twos. Mm-hmm. And now they're, now they're like, just, they're like, they're, they're farts. <laughs> Sharts even. There's some, oh. Well, Joe Flacco's a shark. <laughs> you hate him so much. I can't stand him. Um, so just, uh, getting back to Alex Smith real quick, because, um, as, as everyone knows, this eventually just turns into the Alex Smith show. Yeah. Um, he, uh, 
um, I, I've, I've created these uh, what I call uh, equity scores for um, my writing on xnsports.com if you want to check it out. Um, and, and, Alex, and Alex Smith really jumped out in those equity scores. Basically what I do is I, I, I create a median and a high projection uh, for, for each player. I've done it for tight ends, wide receivers, uh, and, and quarterbacks. I'll eventually get to running backs, so just leave me alone for a second. Um, <laughs> But uh, for the quarterbacks, uh, the two guys that jumped out, the two kind of, I guess, they're not quite the same the same late round type, but as JJ mentioned, Tony Romo is going 13th. His high equity, uh, his high equity score or high, high projection would put him at QB3. Um, and this is mine now. I mean, it, you know, this is sub- subjective. Um, but Alex Smith would go from, I think he's the uh, 19th quarterback off the board right Something now. Something like that, yeah. Um, his high score when we talk about when we talk about reaching for up not reaching going for upside because we're not we're not reaching when we're way down in that in the draft like that or going for upside um, like I was talking about Julius Thomas in 2013 Alex Smith is going 19th off the board among quarterbacks and my high equity score puts him uh, as as QB six for the year now that's high that is best case scenario but. You know that that should that should jump out to us as uh, as a prime opportunity to uh, you know to to invest very very low on a guy like that. So that that's the sort of uh, value we're talking about, massive value. Right. And I know someone's going to be listening to this podcast and be like, Alex Smith can't do that. He's not going to be a QB six. And it's not. I mean, obviously yours is a mere example, but also Alex Smith can can run. I mean, he yeah. he has the he has the that's... Rich Rebar's Konami code on his side. So right. That, 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 that's all that's all part of all part of the yeah. formula i mean he's but, not he's not a great quarterback but he he can get you 30 yards a game on the ground and that's pretty significant in terms of fantasy all right so i think that we covered pretty much um you know what we needed to to kind of cover and what streaming is and why it's viable and you know we talked about um what streaming is uh the positions and, and their control and what that means uh, for you and their predictability. But then at the same time, we talked about the tight ends, uh, maximum amount of points that they score in their men and how, even if they give you that goose egg, it's not the biggest deal in the world. We talked about looking for upside in the later rounds. Um, why people are afraid with regards to the paradox of choice. Uh, and then why it's actually safer. And we just went through the ADP list for 2014 and it's absolutely absurd. Just completely absurd. Is there anything? Is there anything that we you think we missed, Dennis? I mean, besides um, the situation in Ukraine, I don't think that there's anything else really <laughs> to touch on at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's so many, there's so many different ways to look at this, right? You know, tonight we looked at it from the perspective of this is why this is why you can get away with not drafting a tight end quarterback in defense, right? But you can also look from the perspective of this is why you need wide receiver and running backs. So it's kind of a different approach. And in the this is why you need running backs thing, I actually did like a five-part series on that at number fire early in the offseason, which was probably really bad timing on my end because it probably didn't get as many reads as it would you know today. So I'll, I'll tweet that out. Yeah. Probably, I, I but, can give you lessons on uh, uh, constant and egregious tweeting of of, of your <laughs> of your links. I, I think everybody who follows me on Twitter and understands that I'm I'm the master of that. So, 
I, uh, I'll, if you come to my seminar on Saturday morning, Clyde will have cool. donuts, coffee. Um, Sweet. And uh, I'll, I'll teach you how to bombard your followers with constant your, your work constantly. So it's, it's okay. although I'm, I'm sure people are, are probably sick of me promoting my like the writer's work at Number Fire because I tweet that. All no, the but, time. It, but that's all different though. You know, it's you're you're talking about all, all the different people who are writing. Writing for the site, you you have to be you know monotonous and constant and never, never okay. changing and self promotional at all costs. That's that's right. what I say. Yeah, I think that you what you need to do is with every article attach a photo of Xavier. Right and right and say how and how say, can you hate me? Look at this baby. Right, please click for him. <laughs> and please that's click for, for for cash. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right, so that's that's streaming. If any of you guys have questions about that, obviously, you know, hit us up on Twitter. We're open to email. We could we could maybe maybe someday we'll have some sort of like Q and A session or something. If people are into that, let us know about that. I want you to say I want Q and A. Tweet mm-hmm. tweet at us. Say and I that. do want to I want to plug one thing before we're uh, done here. Actually, two things because you know I have uh, a, a lot to uh, self promote here. One is I have the follow-up to uh, How to Think Like a Fantasy Football Winner coming out on Amazon and iTunes next week on May 30th. It's called uh, How to Think Like a Daily Fantasy Football Winner, which I think is self-explanatory. Um, and um, and then uh, uh, actually, and, and JJ is involved in this, um, I launched a site a few weeks ago called um, Draft Day Consultants, Inc. And yes, um, if you want to check it out, it's draftdayconsultants.com. Uh, um, we have a, a lot of great uh, fantasy analysts and writers involved, uh, in, including Rich Rebar and uh, Pat Thorman, Ross Miles, Davis Maddock, um, uh, TJ Hernandez, who, who you, you should all be following on Twitter if you, uh, if you get a chance to, uh, to, to catch him on Twitter. Uh, uh, it's, it's really a, a, a site that uh, will give you, looks to give you an edge on draft day and beyond. So check it out when you get a chance. For sure. And it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's going to be a, a pretty sweet little project. And I think people are, are going to realize, I, I, I was talking to Rich actually, and he said that someone like really wanted to keep Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers in the second round or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. Like, and, and we'll help you, you know, that that's part of the, the mission of the, the site is to, is to help you think through these decisions. We don't, we don't tell anybody what to do, but we just give our, our thoughts on, on these decisions that right. you face and, keeper leagues and rookie dynasty drafts and whatever you have coming up. Yeah. It's really cool. Really fun stuff. Um, obviously you can find me over at numberfire.com. We're, we're growing. Uh, if any of you guys are listening and you know someone who wants to write, uh, about sports and, or, or you yourself want to write about sports, uh, we're, we have more and more opportunities for that at number fire and more and more coming, um, up through, you know, up, up, until the football season starts and even beyond, but uh, you know, we're prepping for a, a, for some big things at that time. So um, you know, if you're, if you're interested at all, shoot me an email, JJ at numberfire.com. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at late round QB. Um, and if you write for me, then I'll, I'll love it. <laughs> It'll be just great. It'll be so fun. We got some awesome writers though. We have like, you know, we have email threads every week for every sport where we kind of brainstorm and stuff and talk to each other about what's going on. Some of the some of the threads are just unbelievably funny, just crazy fun. Good, 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 fun times over at Number Fire. But all right, well, 
Uh, I'm JJ and you're Denny and you can find Denny at C- at CD Carter 13. I don't think you gave out your Twitter. No, name. that's right. Yes. At CD Carter 13. And, uh, uh, and I'm on XN sports. Um, and I'll have an article out on four for four.com tomorrow. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed, uh, the kind of the more philosophical side of things, uh, and, and meteorological. If <laughs> yeah, of course. Because we had to talk about tornadoes in Charlotte. Uh, but ho- I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I think it was important. And, and, you know, next time we'll talk, we'll talk more specifics about the 2014 season. We'll take more questions about who you're drafting, who you want to draft, what's going on with ADP, that kind of stuff, and hopefully bring on some guests uh, as well. But for now, uh, we're going to go get some milkshakes. You ready for some milkshakes, Denny? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, guys. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football.